most people actually don't need a business coach or a business consultant. Most people need to do work on themselves. What's the biggest challenge mm. businesses face when scaling? Business problems are rarely business problems. Life problems are disguised as business problems. What ends up happening is, Alex Hormozzi, Gary Vaynerchuk, some of these guys live in fear that they could lose it all. And even if you're crushing it, there are days where you're like, shit, I wanna tear the whole thing down. I wanna rip it apart, change my offer. The number one thing to control is that to me, I think is the constant challenge of running a business. Welcome to the Creative Grid, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who are hungry to have more impact, make more money and become successful in every area of life. I'm your host, Nelson, and your journey to mastering life and business begins in three, two, one. All right, fam, welcome back to the podcast. As you probably will hear on my voice, maybe my nose, I got sick this week. But as you know, we do not bail on our podcast episodes and our guests. I'm here, even though I, I'm not at my 100%, I'm bringing my 100% to the podcast. So today is an exciting episode. I'm very, very keen for you guys to get value of today's legendary guest. Today's guest is an investor, podcaster, and business consultant. He helps scaling purpose-driven businesses with systems without the struggle, without the stress, so they can maximize their peace and profits. Please welcome the legend, Ryan Drake. So good to be here, Nelson. Thanks again. And it's funny because we were rescheduling this uh, podcast episode and I was sick. So we're kind of like ping-ponging back and forth, but it's good to know that you're feeling on the men too. Man, we have never bailed on a podcast episode. We're not going to start today. <laughs> and so we have a couple where I've, this happened, you know, I got sick or we were just overwhelmed with stuff happening. I'm like, we're not being that, those people just doing like, oh, hey, man, I got sick. Or the, I don't care. I'm showing I up. We're giving our best. We're, we're crushing it today. I'm just going to dive straight into it, Let's bro. It. What's the biggest challenge mm. businesses face when scaling? Man, the uh, honestly, I, I really feel, and I've had this conversation with hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs uh, online, but also those who have physical businesses, business problems are rarely business problems. Uh, life problems are disguised as business problems. And so what ends up happening is um, there's some issues at home with the relationship or someone's health, and then that begins to roll into their business. So honestly, like the, the, the number one thing to control is what happens in between both ears, your mind. And that to me, I think is the constant challenge of running a business. Uh, and I'm sure that you feel like this sometimes too, Nelson, even if you're crushing it, there are days where you're like, shit, I want to tear the whole thing down. I want to rip it apart, change my offer, um, burn something to the ground because actually the emotions don't match what is happening in the business. Bank account's good. Uh, or maybe the bank account isn't good, but again, it's, it's managing like what's happening in between your mind. Um, and I think most people actually don't need a business coach or a business consultant. Most people need to do work on themselves fundamentally. Um, the work that I do then helps amplify and scale any of that. Once you've resolved a lot of the the stuff going on behind the scenes and 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 feelings to do with 
worthiness, feelings to do with um, importance, abandonment, like core wounds that are actually often disguised in your business. Yeah. I absolutely agree with everything you just said. I think as well, one of the biggest challenges is it always comes down to mindset. I've seen it so many times for my own self, for people around me, mm -hmm. other business owners, other entrepreneurs. It always comes down to you being the bottleneck of you. You know, I take ownership for everything I do. Yep. Hashtag Joko Willing, extreme ownership. Are you also waking up at 4.30 a.m.? Five. Five. <laughs> I do five. Yeah, not right now because I'm sick, but every day is pretty much at five. And yeah, that mindset, man, mindset can be so limiting for the growth of your business, money beliefs, things that you've been, you know, carrying with you since mm -hmm. you were a, a little kid. So it's very interesting when you start realizing that it's your, and the problem is actually in your mind. And until you fix that, yep. the business is not going to reflect that. I'd love to expand on that a little bit because... I think if you are a business owner and you're listening to this podcast, you've done some personal development work, likely. Uh, probably the other extent of this is that it's not just mindset work. It's also your somatic body work. Uh, I really believe true freedom doesn't live just in the mind. It lives in the body. And so you can read the books. You can read the Think and Grow Rich and you can go to the seminar that helps with the the rah-rah in the, the moment and you feel good. But if you're wondering why you're consistently repeating patterns in your business, even though you know about it, it's like um, us reading a book about diet or us watching a Netflix documentary on how we should eat. We knowingly know that we should eat our vegetables and go to the gym, but why don't we do it? Well, there's likely something else going on. And so understanding where that trauma or pain can live in your body uh, and being able to release that through, you know, breath work, mindfulness, um, somatic healing therapies so that you're free from that and it's no longer a trigger is really powerful. Otherwise, I think often you're prone to repeating the same mistakes in your business as well. And you can try to, th you can try to think your way forward, but you can't think yourself out of a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people try to do that. I love that. How do you exactly help then your clients when they come with these issues and they're like, Hey, my business is some uh -huh. automation, some more systems. And then you realize, well, not, this is a, a bit of a deeper problem. Uh -huh. How exactly do you approach it? And what's also the single most common one that you, your clients or, or people around you face? Yeah, great question. So if someone, we know that there's the the conscious awareness of something. So the conscious awareness being, I don't know, something that comes to mind. So you come and you say, Ryan, this is what's going on in my business. Uh, cash flow issues or lack of leads, whatever it might be. So consciously you're aware that that's the problem. What I then try to identify is what's the underlying subconscious thing underneath that. And I look for the break in someone's physiology between what they're telling me and then what their body's doing as well. Mm. Often you can hear that in someone's voice. So there's a, there's a distinct 
energetic mismatch between what they're saying and what they actually believe to be true. So I'll start there first. If we find that to be hard to get to, then the next thing that I really try to do with a client is to take them out of their context that they're familiar with. So for example, we just said before, so many problems in business aren't often business problems. Well, if uh, you're a creative and you're working from home a lot, well, your home environment is not only your workspace, but it's also your relaxation space. It's also a trigger for other things because if you're living with your partner, um, there's mess, there's clutter around the house, it actually impedes on your work environment. I'm sure you know as, you know, having stuff happen at home. So probably the next thing that I try to do with clients is take them out of their context. And straight away, just like you might experience on a holiday, um, you get out of your environment and, and you feel at peace. You feel like you can think differently. You feel like you got clarity again. Sometimes it's as simple as saying to clients, cool, take tomorrow off, cancel everything. They're not used to doing that and putting themselves first sometimes. Or it might be that they need to take a drive in the evening. Go to your favorite spot, take a notepad, uh, do a primal scream on the beach, anything to break their logical patterns that we can fall into. Um, and coming back to what I just said before around, we can't think our way out of a feeling. It's changing our physiology then allows us to express perhaps or identify what the feeling it is that we have that's going on underneath the surface. When we can identify that piece, then it's like, ah, oh, okay, cool. You're feeling a little bit of guilt. You're feeling a little bit of shame. You're feeling... Uh, a little bit of disappointment. Okay, now we can identify the emotion. Cool, why is that? We can talk to the root cause, not the surface thing of there's no leads or cash flow problem. I'm curious, you also uh, briefly said, you know, that there's some days as an entrepreneur that, you know, things are extremely uh, difficult. I've experienced yeah. those, those days myself. I'm extremely relentless you know yep. i have an iron mind like um there's no way i will quit on my mission Course. that's not not even negotiable right yeah and even then uh-huh last year was our best year ever it was also the hardest year ever for the business there was some days where i was just waking up looking at at the roof and just being like why am i doing this mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. why why am i putting myself through this very difficult thing yeah. Keep adding more people yeah. into the whole mission. More people are relying on it. It's harder. Some days you you just can't find something good happening as well. Because everything, it, it almost like happens at once all the time. You know, yeah. like yeah. a bad thing and then the next bad thing uh -huh. and then one more. And when you think like, oh, I think we're good now. Another, another one, one comes yeah, yeah. out of it. And you have to somehow put yourself together yeah. and still pushing through and in, in some days you generally don't feel like doing it. How do you deal with those days for yourself and for your clients? Yeah. Um, honestly, I would say, because I know myself, that happens at least once a month where I will, there'll be a day. I don't know when it happens. There'll be just a day where we call it the Suki Lala's. Mm -hmm. um, basically, I will just be a little bit like, mopey a little bit more down 
and I will lie in my partner's lap on the couch sometimes when we're watching Netflix. And it's interesting observing that because I just know that it happens and I just know that about myself. There's nothing actually inadvertently wrong. I think the challenge sometimes we can really judge those things when things are going really well, like you said, really great year. And we can be exceptionally hard on ourselves. It's for me, the most important thing is to distinguish and it takes practice, but distinguishing between what are the emotions I'm feeling, which are valid. All my emotions are valid, but they're not necessarily true. And so just having that, recognition of okay cool i'm feeling this way they're valid that's just how i feel today doesn't mean that it's true i don't need to judge them either then allows me to move through them a lot faster and also everything that i've read even with people who are multi-decker millionaires and billionaires they too still have those same days where they question everything, I think naturally it actually makes you a better entrepreneur because you're consistently trying to think about ways to build like a moat around your business or protect it or um, continue to succeed because there's no lifeline, you know? And the what I love about entrepreneurship is like it's creation, constantly creating, evolving, changing, um, and yeah, just rec I think recognizing that even the people you look up to and admire still go through that. Alex Hormozzi is on the record for just saying he struggles with it. I think Gary Vaynerchuk like cried in a podcast episode with, uh, Steven mm -hmm. as well, diary of a CEO, um, just to say that some of these guys live in fear that they could lose it all. Mm. At any point, do you feel like that too? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so like losing the success. And I think just also knowing, just knowing yourself, knowing that these times come and you, we're already hard enough on ourselves as it is likely. So not judging ourselves when we're going through those periods, um, allows us to move through them a lot quicker. But I'd love to ask you, um, Nelson, because I heard it in what you were saying, you, you won't quit on yourself. What's the mission that drives you? To me, it's to show people everywhere in the world that anything you dream about, it's actually possible. Because mm -hmm. I come from nothing, really. Like, I, I, I was a completely average kid back home, just a normal family, just hardworking family. Um, we didn't come from the lowest end, mm -hmm. but we were very far from the high end. You know, we were just, sure. my parents worked really hard, gave us the, the best opportunities that they could afford as well. And I think I had one of the best circumstances that you can ever have, which is not having much, but having a very loving family. Mm. I generally believe I have the best parents in the world. They kept me from all the bad things I see now looking back how many times I could have ended up in a very different position mm -hmm. to what I am now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was, didn't happen thanks to my parents from keeping me away from, you know, from the bad kids, from the bad environments, all these things, always trying to protect mm. and always telling me almost like there's, there's more out there, but you need to go on and earn it. And 
Now I just want to show people after I came almost eight years ago to the opposite end of the world, coming with a broken heart and coming with, you know, the, a recent loss of someone very dear to me, barely any money, couldn't speak English, they have no network, no friends, no anything. I just came here and I had to make it work. This was mm. my only chance of make things happen. And fast forward to now, you know, we have a very, very good business yeah. going on. Um, like, you know, there's, there's so many accomplishments that have yeah. happened and, you know, things like, there's, there's so many great things that have happened in it. And I just want other people to experience that. And everything yeah. happened because I had the courage to pursue my, my own dreams, because I had the courage to just say no to what everyone else told me I needed to do. Mm. I was a dentist, I'm a dentist. I'm a qualified dentist that drop all of that to pursue these crazy dreams of, I just wanna make videos and help people tell yeah. their stories. That's all Beautiful. I wanted to do. And everyone told me I was an idiot. Everyone told me I was an stupid. And it took a lot, now looking back, of just having that little blind belief that I can make a living out of this when everyone else was telling me that it's not possible, that I was stupid, that it, you know I should go and be a dentist and just make that on the side as a fun thing. And suddenly, you know, coming to this place where you have made hundreds of thousands of dollars with this passion of yours while helping yeah. people get, get their message to millions of people while, you know, building an elite team of savages that are just here for the same purpose, you know, to help other entrepreneurs, business owners amplify their message. And just deciding what I do every day as well, owning my time. Yeah. Just being able to wake up every day and decide what I wanted to do. Yeah, I choose, I every day choose the same thing. I work on my mission, on my mission. I continue to build what we're doing here. Yeah. And I, but I don't really have to. Of course. And I know now if I really didn't want it to scale everything I'm doing, I could have just kept as a one man band oh. and, you know, earn a great living, not really have to work, uh, like worry about much stuff. I could have stayed there, but I, I'm going for something that is way bigger than myself. So I just want to make sure that what, when I'm, I'm not here anymore. I left something minimal, meaningful behind me and something that is helping other people as well with their missions. I love how excited you were to just share that and you dropped in like that. It was so fast. And for everyone listening, the reason I asked Nelson that question is because you know what your mission is and you know why you're here. That level of clarity drives you on the days that you question doubt and second guess yourself. And for a lot of entrepreneurs who I speak to where the, the challenging days really derails them is when I believe that they're living for somebody else's mission or somebody else's projection about what their life is supposed to look like or their business. Mm. They're still trying to appease mommy and daddy that mm. they've bent their business vision from something that was going to change the world and be really big. And now they've watered it down to something that is like palatable, digestible, small. And I think when people do that, um, you lose the excitement and the energy behind really pursuing something that is 
big. I often think that we don't set goals too big. We often set goals that are too small and then they're not exciting enough to get out of bed for. Mm -hmm. So what I love in what you just shared is not only that you're really clear on your mission, but number two, a very similar story to me then is you know what it's like to not have anything. Mm -hmm. So if you were to lose everything, it wouldn't actually fundamentally affect you. Mm. But then everything has upside, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is one thing, like, the longer I do this, the more I realize, you know, first that money really doesn't matter. And there's, it gets to a point where it's, it really makes no difference to, to your lifestyle. Unless you, you want to go for the really big things, you know, and stuff, you can, it's not that hard to get to a point where you don't need money. Like it, that all your basic needs are covered and you have some emergency funds or whatever and you can live a great life doing that and, and have more time to do the things that you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing that I tell everyone that has helped me be here because most people in my shoes would have given up. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's, uh, that's something that the longer I do this, the more I realize like, yeah, most people couldn't do this. This is too yeah. it's too bloody hard. It's too many too many people relying on you. Too many things need to get done. Yeah. Too stressful. Like you said, some days you're just questioning everything. Yeah, you're yeah. like, why are we not getting enough leads? Why is the is the offer bad? You start yeah, yeah. you start questioning everything. Did, did we deliver the the wrong work? Did we took in the wrong people? Like it's just a, a brief glimpse of some of the issues that most business owners and entrepreneurs face, right? So it's too difficult. Most people couldn't do it. The system will, will break if most people even are yeah, trying yeah. to do it. But having a mission behind you that is bigger than you will help you actually perform on the days where you really don't feel like performing. And those are the most important days. The days like today, where I, I just feel like staying in freaking bed, doing nothing other than drinking tea. But that's not you what can't. I'm doing. I can't do that. Yeah. You know? So that having against everything, a mission, right? Is, yeah. is everything. What is your mission? Oh, man, my life is to, my, my mission is really, there's, there's two. The, the business mission is to help people build a life and business that they love. But fundamentally underneath that and everything that I do, everything that drives me is to help etch the word love on people's hearts so they know it, they feel it, they believe it, they're transformed by it, they go out into the world and then are tr like are able to transform their communities, workplaces, families because when you meet those individuals who have a sense that they love themselves on a genuine level, they are totally free. They are free from the perceptions of other people. It doesn't cripple them. And then when you get love, it's not love being when you're in relationship with someone or in friendship with somebody and it's not transactional because there's plenty of those. I'm sure you have that too. Like people hit you up for business transactions mm -hmm. and it feels different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you know that it's a transaction, but then when you have good quality relationships and friendships and people you meet, man, I have been so touched in my personal life. And if I think back years and years ago um, to random people, like when I first got on the internet and I was building my dad's website uh, 14 years ago and I did not know how to set up a web server and, and hosting 
and I found someone randomly who did not have a profile photo. I did not know their real name. I couldn't tell you if they were a boy or a girl. I literally knew nothing about them and they volunteered their time to help me set it up. They did not ask for any compensation. And I think to now where you wouldn't trust a stranger on the internet and give them your literal details to log in. I was so moved by that, that people show up in my inbox and I can help them in 30 seconds. I'm going to do that. Mm. And my commitment is to always leave people better off for having known me like mm. that. Imagine, imagine everyone you met who, when you weren't in a room could say good things about you. That's, that's what drives me. I love that. And especially the part where you said at the beginning, helping people build a business that they love because it can be very easy to build or start mm. this thing that you love so much and suddenly it becomes this monster that uh -huh. you hate. Yeah. That you're like, what happened here? How do we get here? I used to love this thing so yeah. much and now I just don't want to show up. I hate this. You know, there's too much happening, too many things going wrong and too much of the things that are sucking your time as well. So I love that you're helping people love their businesses, which in the end, what most entrepreneurs want, especially creative entrepreneurs, is to just to have more freedom through their business by doing what they love. Absolutely. And I think yeah. um, we're seeing it on YouTube now where you've got these big creators actually saying, hey, I want some time away because someone said, I read it, I think I read it on Twitter and it was really resonated that they said um, creative work has almost become the new nine to five <laughs> yeah. and you get out of the nine to five, the thing that you don't enjoy in order to do this full time. And for some creatives, they were saying, okay, well doing YouTube full time has actually lost the zest for me because mm -hmm. now I'm forced to publish every Tuesday yeah. at the same time and generate ideas. And so I think it's really beautiful, the vulnerability and them sharing about, Hey, I actually need a break. I need some time off. And, and I can understand the real struggle or the, the pressure of that because if you have a million subscribers, that's revenue to the business, that's you paying your staff, and yet you have to remain true to yourself. And I think what you said is so true. I'm sure you would have, we were speaking just before you hit record as well about decisions you can make with, with your business and if you scaled in a particular way, could you make more money? Yes. Would you be happier? Not necessarily. And so it comes at that cost. And I think knowing yourself and coming back to that, that real self-awareness of being like, Hey, this is what I want to do in my business. This is what I don't want to do. And then sticking to your guns. I think sometimes the mistake people make when they hire a business coach like myself is then they think the business coach is a God mm -hmm. and then trying to like solve all their freaking problems in life as well, which isn't our role. But secondly, outsource all the decision-making to your coach. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what the coach is for. The coach is there to support you in making your decisions mm -hmm. and being really 
um, like trusting yourself and power, like backing yourself fully. And the coach can pour fuel on that fire and help you move forward. If you outsource your decision-making to everybody else, your partner, your friends, you know, what should I do? Like, should I do this? Should I launch this? Should I charge you this amount? You're actually robbing yourself of the journey and the lessons that come from, hey, let me charge it. Let me charge this amount. And then you go back to the market and you're like, shit, I undercharged. Yeah. I'm sure you found that with some of your offers yeah. as well, putting them out. Yeah. So. How do you become a business coach? Oh, you know, that's a really interesting question. I think it evolved because I fell into it by accident. So my background is in software and marketing um, and running really big campaigns for some of Australia's largest brands um, in my full-time role. And what's I started out really as a... Um, I guess for lack of a better term, life or mindset coach, uh, really helping people navigate different seasons in their business. My background in tech and automations and systems, that to me is really fundamental to growing and scaling a business. And so what ended up happening early on is I had clients who came to me with the mindset stuff and also had the business. So what actually fundamentally happened was, well, we'd solve the mindset, things that were going on in their relationship, life, their self-worth, which then was a catalyst for them resolving a whole bunch of things in their business. So I really like to see my work as a hybrid of the two. Business becomes so much easier when you can control and manage your emotions and how you make decisions. Everything else becomes easier because then we can look at data we can look at what's working, what isn't more so without the emotion involved all the time and then make decisions from that place. And I, and I jokingly say um, in our space, conversations around, you know, balancing the masculine and the feminine comes up a lot. But if you're in a boardroom with people who are CEOs of a $10 million company, they're not talking about that. Elon Musk is not talking about, I, I need to be more in my feminine today. You're getting on, you're getting the job done. Um, and I think I really believe that there's actually someone out there who's going to coach on balancing the two and make a fortune way more because you really need both in your business. Um, it is the dance. It is moving between them. It's not demonizing one and trying to be too much in the other. It's like recognizing that um, to be an all-round entrepreneur, you kind of, and, and when, when I say entrepreneur, I mean someone who um, is a generalist, right? Like you're good at a lot of things and you're not necessarily the one to specialize in, in everything. You hire for that, right? So the entrepreneur knows a little bit about all sorts of different things, sales, marketing, operations, et cetera, and then learning, I think, how to hire for the, the more specialist roles. And as a creative, I think the challenge then, especially if you're multidisciplinary and you know that you can do lots of things is learning, cool, I could do it, but I shouldn't be. I could do that in my business. That's gonna suck up a lot of time. Maybe I shouldn't spend 10 hours on this Canva design 
or designing the YouTube thumbnails, I can outsource that piece to to Nelson. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be the one editing my podcast. Maybe I need to get Nelson's creative team behind it, right? So it's all it's all a learning. Absolutely. And also the more you grow a business, the more you realize that most of it is really management, managing people. That when it comes yep. down to it, most of it really comes down to that. Being able to put together a great mm. team and then being able to lead them towards, you know, the, the goals that you guys have. Yeah. I mean, Nelson, I think you nailed the evolution of where people can get to. And so what I would say is if you're listening to this and you are growing, you want to identify what type of business you want to build. For some of you who are listening to this, you're like, actually, I don't want a team. I want to be a solo person. I want to be freelancer. I want to work anywhere in the world and, you know, beat my own drum. That's awesome. Be really clear that that's what you want to do because there will be pressures for you to grow. And if you end up building a team, but you actually feel like you operate better as a solopreneur, you're going to suffer. I used to think I wanted to be the CEO of a $100 million a year business. I actually don't want that responsibility. <laughs> I don't want to manage that many people. Um, so like you, having a world-class small team that is amazing at what they do, awesome. But I also don't want to work just on my own because mm. I know I can hire people who can do a much better job at certain things. Um, so, yeah, I... I think that's a really powerful point is like working out that if you are managing people, what would you say, Nelson, is your favorite thing about your business that you do? The first thing that comes to mind is my team. Like yep. all, obviously the awesome work and results that we produce for a client every, mm -hmm. every time we have a winning a win for a client. Yeah. Sometimes we almost celebrate even more than the clients. Yeah, yeah. Just because we know what the, this means. You know, we oh. celebrate every little thing. Like we get excited by such small things uh -huh. sometimes, you know, when I think about it, like, oh wow, you know, we hit a hundred subscribers on YouTube, which in Amazing. the grand scheme of things yeah. is yeah, it's just probably not not as big. But it is a big thing when someone oh. came from zero. You know, Absolutely. when they didn't have any social media presence and now they have a hundred people that are showing up every day to listen to them, <laughs> you know, little yeah. things like that. But to me, the, the thing that probably makes me the most excited is, is the team just yeah. watching, especially because the team that I've been building is people that have been here almost since day one, mm. they have seen everything. And it's a very, it's almost like when you get to say, you know, my girl has been a day one girl. Yeah, you know, she has yeah. seen it when I had nothing, and I got to yeah. build this massive thing. Obviously, it's a very it's particular scenario, and sometimes can be difficult to get to say that, right? Do you have a day one girl? I'm just I do. I do Excellent. right now. Yeah. yeah. So she has. She has been there. She hasn't been from ground ground zero. Sure. <laughs> there were really dark days, you know, but she definitely has been there. She has seen the entire yeah. wow. transformation. And it's very interesting to see when someone gets to witness this thing that you've been saying for so long, but there is not yet enough proof mm. behind it. Mm. You can clearly see in your mind, you know it's just a timing thing, but all the, for other people it's like, ah, oh, yeah, right. And suddenly being like, oh shit, he was telling the truth, you know? And just even yeah. getting to a point where 
for example, my partner quit her job, her full-time job, safety, great salary, all this stuff to come join the mission. Congratulations, man. And That's awesome. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, shit, to an extent, of course, like there's love in, involved and all these things, but she's a very safe person. She wouldn't have made that decision. It doesn't so. matter how much she loved me if she wouldn't think like, yeah, this thing is going to be huge. Yeah. I better join them, you know, kind of thing. And same with my main shooter and editor, you know, Alex, he has been here since it was just me. Yeah. And get to see him evolve into this awesome. weapon. You know, he's going to be better than me at some point. Not yet. Not yet, motherfucker. You still have work to do. <laughs> but he will be better than me when it comes yeah. uh, to filmmaking, to a vision and creativity and all these things. And now see him as well. We have people under him that now he's passing on the, the yeah. learnings. I'm just watching him do that. I'm like, wow, this is really how you can have a massive e impact in the world. Mm. starts by these little things, people around you. But that's how then, why you need to have a way to get your message to millions of people. That awesome. I feel like there's a, it's almost a duty, you know, when you have something that needs to be shared that can benefit other people. Mm. And that's why we do podcasts. And that, that's why we believe everyone should have a podcast because they need to get their message out there. And just, it's almost like this duty of sharing the things that cost you so much to learn for the people to advance faster than you yeah you know so yeah my team is probably the thing that gets me the most excited just watching it. My, my partner came here with very little skills for what we were doing yeah she can now do so many things mm -hmm. when it comes even to sales marketing content creation client communication Love you know it. training now people under her we have a couple of new team members overseas She's training all of that. Like just watching that playback, I'm like, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Being able to pass on everything that it cost me so much to learn and seeing them now pass it on to even more people. That gets me really excited. What about you? What's the most exciting thing about your business? I, I, I would say that it's literally the same things that you just said. One is you get more excited about your client wins sometimes because you know what they have gone through to get that win as well. And, you know, clients, if you're listening to this, um, I just love the triumph because everyone on socials, you, you watch the Golden Globes, people are watching the Australian Open. We only see the five little minutes of fame. We don't see the thousands and thousands of hours of work, the last 10 years of blood, sweat, tears, that have gone into someone succeeding at that level. And what I love is the client gets the win, but I also hear about all the struggle, all the doubt, all the second guessing before that happens, before they sign a client at the new price point. And I'm so lit up for them because I know how transformative that is in the long run. Like every single win I think just stacks up and you're building this like unshakable belief in yourself. And so you have to stack the wins so that on the days where you do question yourself and things do feel hard or you go through a really tough season, like you said earlier, Nelson, where, you know, one bad thing happens after another, you have so many wins that actually remind you of like, I'm, I'm actually so far ahead than when I started. And the second thing, the thing that also does bring me a lot of joy is I can, I work with my partner 
and I've hired my sister, you know, I've had my sister working for me full time and it's really cool to see her grow and her take on a lot of things that I was doing before. And she, she also does them better than me now. It's like, oh, that's awesome. And I know that I can't expect her to necessarily work for me forever, but what this has then actually allowed her to develop are skills that will then also get her um, paid and open up opportunities, um, which is just so exciting. So being able to, it's not always easy working with close friends, right? And family, but yeah. particularly, and maybe you feel this as a male as well, that instinctive drive to then also want to work harder to provide for the people you love, right? Like that to me gets me out of bed too. Absolutely. I will never let them down. I, I will die before letting my team down. And, yep. and that's why I love about having a first day team, you know, yep. is, is that they have seen everything. They have joined the mission when no mm. one else believed mm. in it, when it was very difficult to see this thing that we're been slowly building and we've been slowly reaping rewards out of them. Man, I'm gonna make them the best paid people out there. I'm gonna provide for everyone. I'm, yeah. Yes, I'm gonna be a multimillionaire and all these things, but I will also bring the people around me that believe in this thing when no one else did or, or that came from, it was ground zero. Mm. I'll bring them with me. I will make sure they get the rewards as well. So I think is there's something very special about being in this position of having a, a first day team that you, you've you been building. And I love that you're experiencing that as well with your own sister, with your partner. It's beautiful seeing them, you know, grab everything, mm. all these little learnings and just seeing them evolve and when yeah. they perform and, you know, when they did things on their own as well. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful and it's extremely rewarding as well. And like you're saying, it, there is so many challenges with it, right? When you start bringing on either friends or people that you're mentoring or partners or family, there's a lot of challenges that you will encounter as well, different to someone that you know nothing about, right? Those people also come with their own set of, of challenges. But I, I love the fact that our team, it really is a small family. And even we have a few people working overseas with us. And even for them, mm. like we have one main guy that has been working with us for a while now. I'm going to make him the best pay guy of his country. You know, like I'm, I'm so excited mm. to see him be a part of the mission and we get him super involved. At some point we'll oh. get him here to visit as well. Like it, it, this so exciting when you get the right people on the mission and really treat them like you're like family, you know, and do everything you can for them. Like that now I have this thing where I can't let these people down. That's not even a question, not even an option. You know, like it's, it's not about me anymore. I love that. Yeah, it's about yeah. all these people that have joined yeah. the team. I want to get into some technicality because obviously you're, you're a systems and automations expert. What are some of the best tools? If you have to say maybe three or five, mm all-time best tools for systems and automations for growing and scaling a business? Great question. I will answer that. I think there's a step before that, which is 
I think a trap, particularly if you're a solopreneur or you're, you're a freelancer, right? And you're listening to this podcast and you work for yourself. The trap can be that you think that there is the best tool. Uh, and I'm sure you found this with you with tech or like uh, video gadgets, right? So we think that the next shiny thing that comes out is going to be the game changer. And I would probably say that honestly, the system, the best system is the one that you use. You can set up the most fancy thing that is amazing, that sends all the emails and the text messages and is awesome and beautiful. If you don't use it, it's completely useless to you. Uh, so I would just evaluate what it is that you're currently doing in your business first and figure out, is there something that is not working for you? Um, and I see this a lot with, uh, creatives love notion. Um, I've seen people build out entire things in notion, which is great. The trap of something like notion, especially if you are creatively minded is you spend more time trying to make it look pretty than actually it being functional for you. So in terms of tools, a couple of things. Um, I run my business out of ClickUp. Um, I've tried Asana, Trello, uh, all sorts of to-do lists, etc. I love ClickUp. Um, you can do the same things in Notion. It ultimately depends on what you feel most comfortable with. Um, the reason why I like ClickUp in particular is that it allows you to just have a single place of truth. The, the other trap with creatives, I know this because I am one. If you don't have a system, then you can have scrap pieces of paper on the desk and sticky notes. And then you have a notebook and then you have Apple notes for something. And then you have your to-do list and you've got five different things that you're using. So, consolidate all of that into one place that you can search and find things. If it's Google Docs, like use Google Docs. Um, it doesn't always have to cost you money. I know people who run seven figure businesses off of Apple Notes. They keep it all in there. Like whatever you're gonna use most regularly. I love ClickUp. Uh, and then the second thing is if you find yourself doing a lot of manual repetitive work, try to understand things like Zapier or Make both automation tools that will cost you, some of them are free, but maybe $20 a month to help automate a whole bunch of things that would take you a lot of time. Those would be my two primary recommendations. Obviously you can reach out on Instagram if you have more specific questions um, about your tech stack. Uh, one other thing that I would say that often people might have an aversion to is paying for help. So, when you're growing a business, you often think of like, what's it going to cost me to hire? And sometimes we think, oh, well, why would I pay someone overseas $15 when I could just do it? I, and I don't know about you, Nelson, but I, for me, my biggest growth in my business came when I started to outsource. And when I could free up a lot of the admin work that I used to just do myself, emails, tasks, Canva designs, all sorts of stuff. When I realized I could pay for a little bit of that help, um, it made such a difference in my mind. And you want to think about it through the lens of not what it costs you, like per hour, but actually what it saves you per time. Because if you, if you have a, can I ask, what is your, what's your current 
package offer. So if you were to jump on a call with somebody to close them on your podcast package, what is the price as of today, the 25th of January? For most people, it's around five. Five, five per month retainer. Okay, great. So for you to jump on a call and close someone in, in what, 45 minutes an hour, basically, mm. they likely already know what you're doing. Mm. It is totally not worth it for Nelson to then spend time designing a YouTube thumbnail because it's not going to make you $5,000 for your business. Uh, and that's what your time's worth. And so I think you want to just think about it in terms of the, the dollar amount that you're actually going to save by freeing up those extra couple of hours, jump on Upwork, Fiverr, um, chat GPT, like all sorts of stuff can help you save a truckload of time that way. Yeah, absolutely. And in, ter in terms of like ClickUp, why do you choose ClickUp over mm. all the other options? I know it yeah. a bit about it and I know like how it can be an all-in-one tool. Awesome. I'm curious to see why do you end up uh, choosing that one? Okay, perfect. Well, I'll, I'll use it as an example for creatives, right? So in ClickUp, you have doc docs. Think of it like a simplified Google Doc. So I like to ideate. Um, if I have ideas for anything, I can go into this document and I can paste links. I can embed uh, PDFs, pages. I can link YouTube videos, um, jot down ideas. And then whenever I'm ready to turn that idea into a video, I can literally highlight it and turn it into a task and then assign it to myself or my team. That helps me separate the ideas from my to-do list, which is the actionable stuff. Um, other things that I find useful is I can build out timelines for projects. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working with a client, I can build out a proposed timeline of when, how things will, how long things will take. Um, I like the ability that I use it with all of my subcontractors as well who work overseas, managing different projects. I can assign different areas. And then they have visibility of certain things and not access to other areas. So it works really well. I can build in entire dashboards. Yeah. So I can see what my team is working on at any given time, how many hours they've spent, whether it's overtime, what urgent projects are due still. And ClickUp also has built-in automations. So for example, if we think of, um, let's think of your production timeline. Let's relate it to podcasts. So you record this episode, then you'll say, cool, episode with Ryan is recorded. As soon as you tick recorded, that'll then create a new task for your editing team. And then that can be defaulted to say, cool, guys, what you need to do is um, import the recording, edit it, etc. All of those instructions can be templated. And the same process is followed. Then you can add in um, checks so that uh, once it's moved to review, like the thumbnail or copy, description, edits, that can then be assigned to other members of your team. So I like the fact that you don't need a lot of other external tools. For me, ClickUp also integrates with Zapier so that when a new client signs up with me, they're already created a profile, they get access to certain things, I can then track them and I use it sort of as a CRM as well. So all of my client notes are in there for me to see and my team has visibility. Yeah, that's awesome. And 
two things from the, the the things that you've been talking about. The first one, a project management. If you don't have yep. a project management tool, especially if you're running a, oh, a yeah. creative business or anything that even comes close to a video production podcast agency, you need a project management tool. We use Monday in our case, yep. and we just have found that it's pretty easy to mm-hmm. use for most of the team members and, and everything, automations and all these things are, yep. are really good within it as well but you need a way to visually see what are the clients that you have on board? What are the deliverables that you have for your clients? Because even though you have a a different business, you have certain deliverables or certain tasks that you need to complete for a client. So having a way to visually track where everyone is at, that also keeps accountable everyone on the team Mm -hmm. as well. Because everyone is in charge of like, okay, you're in charge of this specific task. Why is it not progressing or, hey, have, okay, I can see that it was done as well. So is that a way of communicating without communicating? Of course. It's really and awesome. it cuts down on emails. And yes. I think maybe you've seen this with Monday as well. <laughs> Project management tools can also become a mess yes, if they're absolutely. not organized. Absolutely. And so you, ha- you want to think about the architecture of how have you set this up. And if you guys... Are you using Monday or Asana or ClickUp at the moment? Just take a step back and evaluate what is going on in your business. So every three months, we look at what we've what we're doing and saying, "Cool, is this working? Mm-hmm. Is it not working? Is it efficient? Mm-hmm. Is it not?" Because I think so often Monday can just become a a dumping ground yeah. of ideas and different things, and so we're often cleaning up stuff, removing old I- things from ClickUp. Um, old documents, things that aren't relevant. So that has to be built into the process as well. The clutter, yeah. Mm. And the other thing that you mentioned, outsourcing. That's the single best decision I've ever ever taken. Building, you yeah. know, a machine that runs with more team members, but also, yeah, to outsourcing the things that I shouldn't be doing. And you're totally right. You need to know as well how much is your time worth to you. Mm. you and there's ways to calculate your exact hourly rate or or what you think your time is worth. And usually the way I see it is like, if something costs less than why I value my hourly rate to be at, then I should be outsourcing that yep. thing. I shouldn't be doing it. And you have to focus on the activities that where, you know, you can spend 45 minutes, like you were saying on a sales call or strategy call or, or anything like that. And you know that that's gonna bring X amount of money to the business that it's actually worth mm-hmm. your time being on that task until you can also outsource those things and then move higher on the rankings within the business and yep. focus more on the direction and CEO, purely CEO-based uh, businesses, or at least that's what I'm seeing yeah. so far in my own experience. I have a question for you because I've saw you uh, talk a, uh, quite a bit about points. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Should businesses use credit cards? 1,000%. Why? I I just think in – oh, my gosh. Is your is your podcast business set up as a company as well? Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think like once you cross that threshold of maybe 150K a year through your creative business, you should move it to a company because there are significant um, – protection benefits from the law but from a business point of view um it just feels like you're doing life on a it's a cheat code for for Mm -hmm. business so 
The only caveat I would add is if you aren't good with managing money, then credit cards end up being an additional liability for you. Mm. However, in terms of cash flow management, um, I believe that it's part of a larger kind of thesis or idea I have around investing and building wealth. If you can get a credit card that say has a limit of fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, and you're diligent with paying that off every single month, running your expenses through the credit card not only allows you to rack up those points for the business that you can use on your travel, um, hotel upgrades, flights, all of that, but it also means that for whatever reason, say your business has a dip that month, the the um, credit card allows you a little bit of a lifeline and some breathing room that you wouldn't otherwise have uh, and would actually pay a lot of interest for if you were to go to the bank. So I love the ability for credit um, to act as an additional opportunity for you to just help balance cash flow in those times. But more importantly, um, you pay it off at the end of the month, then it's not an issue. You don't accrue any interest. You don't accrue any additional fees. You get all the benefits of, of credit. And for whatever reason, in case of emergencies, it's immediately there. For example, you can't usually get uh, a business loan within 24 hours unless you go to the payday loan guys and they're absolute sharks. They charge through the nose for interest and they basically fuck you over later. Um, the last advantage that I would say that I think is the best. Running expenses on a credit card means that for whatever reason, say you are overseas, Nelson, and you were filming a podcast in Thailand and you had some clients over there, you're on a trip. Say the, the taxi driver skimmed your card. You were protected and you will get refunded immediately for the purchase. If you did that on the business debit card, it would take about eight weeks for you to get your money back because the bank has to do an investigation, determine if it was fraud. So you don't have that protection that comes with having credit. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And to be honest with you, because we, I've never had credit cards mm -hmm. and I've had people telling me that I needed to use them and all this stuff. And I keep the, like staying uh -huh. on the silence and I'm still considering, right? Oh. So what would you say as well in terms of the extra fees that come with using credit cards as well? Because you usually, when you pay with them, you also have higher, yep. you know, rates as well with using credit cards is uh, it worth that the the extra spending as well with the credit card? oh one one thousand percent because all you're going to do is they're they're your processing fees which is no different from stripe mm -hmm. so you just mark that up in your accounting software and then you go and claim it back on tax at the end of the year so it's totally worth one thousand percent particularly and my strategy would depend on whether or not you do more domestic travel or you'd like to do more international travel. Mm. But um, if you're traveling overseas, for example, and you buy the tickets on your credit card, will you get travel insurance included? Mm. So the thing that airlines often try to charge you $150 for, you get included in your card. There's some like really great perks for business owners. Um, yeah, do you have a preference? Like where do you want to travel? 
Wait, where do you want to go next? We're, we want to do some overseas, uh -huh. but yeah, there will, there will be some domestic travel as well. What What's the best car in 2024? Who do you fly with? Usually it's Qantas. Qantas. Okay, so there's a Qantas business NAB card at the moment. Uh, I think it's 125,000 Qantas points, which is awesome. That's going to give you... Uh, so just to paint this into perspective, that would give you return flights to New York mm. straight away on a 3K card spend. Mm. So you buy the next equipment, uh, the next camera piece for your mm. setup here or a computer, you're upgrading your MacBook, boom. There's your free flights to New York. That's economy. If you wanted to fly business, you could do that like four times to Perth and back business um, with with an expense that you would already have. So that's that's why I love it. Um, and then you can, you you know, Amex can throw in lounge access. If you wanted to go overseas, then I, I could recommend like an Amex card. Um, and I have both. I have a Qantas and a Virgin one for different reasons because when you're traveling overseas, well, you often use both airlines. Top three secret hacks with credit cards. Top three. Um, well, if you're, I would say you don't, credit cards help, but you don't actually need them to earn points. So if you are a big shopper online, do you buy most of your equipment for your business online? Usually, yeah. Usually. So there is a Chrome extension for Qantas. Do you already use this yourself? No. Okay. So Nelson's basically missing out on thousands and thousands of points every year. Um, there's a Chrome extension. If you just type in Qantas shopping, you just install it. So every time that you shop at a store, so say, for example, Maya, you, you're buying the latest MacBook or Apple, you will get points every time you purchase and it'll remind you just to turn that on. That sets a little cookie in there, uh, allows you to earn points online. Second hack would be, um, we're learning a lot about you today, Nelson. Where do you fill up your car with fuel? Fuel? Yeah. Really anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. So for Qantas points, if you went to the local BP, um, and the cool thing about the BP app is you can set up your credit cards. So you just literally tap it on your phone and then it's paid for once you fill up. That's going to earn you Qantas points every time you drive out. And again, you don't need a credit card for that. You can do that right now. Um, third one is shopping. Who do you shop with? Woolies, Coles? Uh, we get meals. Yep. So, but we do like a small little set of things that we order from Woolies. Yeah. Woolies. Okay. Um, and you probably shop at other Woolies brands too sometimes. So Everyday Rewards, which is Woolies program where you're spending money anyway, you can select a little box that says your your Woolies points are actually converted to Qantas points. That's a little five-minute change that will then <laughs> help build you up over time. All these points are mainly for travel. Uh the best value is for travel. You can also use them to book accommodation. You can use them to buy things, but I don't personally recommend that. Best way to use points is either for flights or for upgrades. So if you bought an economy ticket, you can use your points to then upgrade to business last minute. Yeah. And just so I understand as well, the way you use the credit card is for anything that you were going to buy anyways. That's correct. I... 
statistics do show, and this is why some people don't like credit cards, is that you typically spend more with a credit card. I'm seeing it purely as if you've got expenses in your business, mm. I would put those expenses that you're going to pay for anyway on the credit card and then you just pay the credit card off at the end of the month. And if you have a discipline around it, that's the way to do it. Um, it's also a bridge for like those large expenses at tax time, for example. Well, mm. if you're going to claim something big and then write it off, mm. you could do that on the credit card. Mm. You're also an investor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from my understanding, you also do some angel investing. I do. Yeah. Can you explain what are the different investments that you have and how you get into them? Yeah, great question. I love this. Um, I am really passionate about sustainability and health. So I try to invest in companies. And when we say angel, I'm usually it's an investment up to about 5K. So smaller investments. Um, and I'm looking at, do I like the team? Do I like the product? Do I see value in the business growing? And you have to understand with investing, you're investing with the intention that nine out of your 10 investments will never make any money. <laughs> so I've had a couple of investments that have been phenomenal ideas. Unfortunately, they ran out of cash. So I think sometimes like cash flow management is so important. You need to know your numbers. Um, and then there's other businesses that I've sold the shares of because they went and got listed on the stock exchange and made money that way. Um, and I think from the outset, I don't really know which one's going to succeed, but I believe in what they're doing. Um, so yeah, there's like sustainable brands that I really like, uh, Tomorrow morning, I'm speaking to the the guy who actually bought one of the companies I invested in. So he bought all the IP and they're rebranding and restructuring it. So I got to wake up tomorrow morning, uh, 3 a.m. To, to talk to him in the States about what they're doing. Can I get in their friends and family round this time and invest that way? And then talking to him about whether we can bring it to Australia. That would be cool. It's a product. How do you find these companies? Uh, that's a great question. Um, twofold. One is networking. Um, I love Twitter. I will never call it X because I don't <laughs> say it that way. Um, Twitter uh, and secondly, there's equity crowdfunding platforms. So probably a couple of the biggest ones in... Australia is called like virtual. That's, that's, is the biggest one. Um, the other one, I've just forgotten the name of it, but I think it's called, uh, equity rise or something like that. And essentially these are businesses that are looking to raise money from the public. Um, and you can go on and you can invest. One thing to note about that type of investment is largely, you don't have any say as a shareholder. So the only way that you would typically make money from those investments is if they got sold. So the company got sold to someone else or they got listed on the stock exchange. 
most businesses that stay private probably won't go down that pathway. And so really you're investing because you love the mission. Mm. Other ways to get involved in investing is just like going to meetups and meeting people and then you you hear uh, opportunities. Um, I invested in my, 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 one of my high school friends' crypto companies and it made me like 20x and it, and I got in because I knew him. It was sold out. Uh, he opened it up for me. And I think if you don't network, you don't ha have exposure to those ideas, which is just crazy. How much money have you made with angel investing? Uh, I, so far over the last couple of years, quarter of a million dollars. Just from doing that on the side, yeah. Just from that, like a, a yeah. little on the side thing. Yeah, so I think some of them are much longer payoffs as well. So, you know, I, I started in 2019. So it's sitting on some, waiting. I think there's other opportunities that will be a lot bigger and just playing the long game. Yeah. Are you interested in investing yourself, Nelson? I do like uh, investing, like shares and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mainly invested in Tesla, really. Tesla. Just because it's something that uh -huh. I really believe in and I, yep. I understand it and all these things. But at this point, it's mainly I just see the investment in myself yep. and the business. Yes, the best investment. However, I am curious about yeah. just seeing what are all the ways of just putting the money to work and things like that. Yep. So yeah, I'm always curious to see what people are investing in and and what are the other options because I, I this is the first time I hear someone saying yeah. that they're doing angel investing. Have you um have you looked at and BYD? I thought it's interesting as well that it it's not that much money to get started with it from what you're saying. Yeah. No, so probably the advantage <laughs> is like diversifying the risk, and so the meeting tomorrow morning is probably really important for me because that mm. company I invested the most, I put in about 37,000. Mm. Um, and I, I've signed some agreements. I can't share too much, but really innovative product. I'm really excited, um, about what's possible there. And so sort of, they've got some big figures. I don't know. We'll see every, everyone always paints a really rosy picture. Yeah. I try to be a lot more realistic. Yeah. Um, about it. And, you know, I had some friends who are uh, a lot of friends who invested in a weed farm, a marijuana farm, cannabis in Thailand. Mm. And uh, I passed on it because for me, the numbers didn't make sense. So it'd be interesting because the payout for that investment, which is was basically um, 18 months ago when they first invested, should happen soon. But none of those guys have been paid out their, their promised returns yet. And I'm also happy to eat my words. Mm. But for me as the business coach, I need to stay true to what I know. And so I evaluated an investment. It didn't make sense on paper. That's my thesis. I'm happy to, to be okay with, with losing. What, what other investments do you have? Um, stocks and then um that's pretty much oh and real estate um so I want, i'd like to getting married later in the year but after that right. would like to 
put some more money in real estate as well. So do you have like an investment property? Yeah. Yeah. So my partner and I, we have got two at the moment. We'd like to take that up to four this year, which would be great. Epic. Um, my partner's got some sheds and cattle. Mm-hmm. So she owns cattle as part of an investment uh, because cool. of her family and their yeah, farmers. Cool. So yeah. Far- farmers will be a good investment here in Australia, right? Uh, really? Yeah. I've learned so much about yeah. business through learning, uh, even having conversations with my partner's dad about the farming business. Yeah. It's very interesting business as well because we, we were involved in some projects with farmers up north. And yeah, it was really interesting to learn a little bit more about what's involved in a, yeah. in a farming business. And it's so different to what yeah. we're doing. Oh, completely. Yeah, really interesting. What are three pieces of advice that you will give your younger self that will help oh. them lead a better life, being happier, make more money, have more impact? Like what are, if you have to boil it down to three pieces of advice that you could give to your younger self, mm. what would they be? Uh, it's a really good question. I don't like not giving up because it's so ingrained in us. Like we don't, wouldn't do that. I'd say double down on the things that you really believe in faster. Back yourself, go for it. Number two, fail more often. I think a lot of times when I was younger, I spent so much time trying to perfect things before launching. And then I just somehow grew out of that. Third thing. Oh, third thing. Okay. You don't need a website to start making money. (laughs) (laughs) Come and believe that they're high. 1,000%. 1,000%. Like, the, God, the amount of times where I'm spending time trying to pick the right hex color and pixel and font yeah. and then wanting to change it three months later. That's like probably one of the most common mistakes for creative entrepreneurs is thinking that they need a website mm-hmm. to start making serious money. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I look back at my own path and I wasted so much time putting together a website because yeah. I thought like, you know, and you need to make this pretty, you need to, people oh, need no, to comment yeah. it and be blown out by how beautiful uh-huh. it is. And it's like, no, you don't need that yep. to make money. <laughs> very, very, very good one. I like the website yeah. one because I can't resonate so much with it. And I know so many creative entrepreneurs out there, they really believe that they need a website. And you even, you're not even like, there's people that have come to, you know, our strategy calls and thinking like, oh, I'm just waiting to get done my website before I launch everything. And we're like, you don't need a website. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Don't put your time in it. You're wasting your precious time in a non-money producing activity like a website. That's just a nice to have thing. And yes, it can really help with all the things yeah. later down the track, but it's not the main thing that you probably need to be working as, but for most people, I would say having a website yeah. it's like you know yeah i think it's a good procrastination tool yeah it and is. and honestly i'd i'll just say go and find your first client or go and find somebody who is actually willing and able to pay you like willing is the first thing but also able to pay you because what you don't want to spend time doing is yeah. chasing people down for yeah. payment like that Absolutely. sucks what's the worst piece of advice you have ever received 
Honestly, man, I couldn't even tell you because I I haven't retained it. <laughs> Worst, I mean, I I don't have it. I don't I don't store that type of information. It's really interesting. Or something, like, uh, some something that is kind of like a common belief that someone told you in your life later found out like, oh, that was really bad advice. <laughs> oh, I would I would say I'd say this. Because I have clients who get trapped in this space of trying to compare themselves to what other people are doing in the same space that they're in. Guys, the the algorithm feeds you what you're looking for. Mm. So just remember that your Instagram feed is a silo mm. of everybody else who thinks like you and that is not reality and that's not the world. So in your creative business, the one thing that I would honestly say to you to get clear on is knowing your numbers in your business Because if you know what your numbers are, you will also know how to question when other people try to tell you their numbers because what someone tells you is not necessarily the full picture. Uh, I posted about this last week on Instagram. If someone says that they're a million-dollar business owner, mm -hmm. you want to ask them, what do they mean? Is it a million dollars in the bank? Is it a million in revenue? Is it a million in sales? Is it a million um, net profit? Is it your salary? So your take home? Um, and if it's a million dollar business over the lifetime of your business, have you been in business for one year or 10 years? You get a completely different picture. Um, someone who I, I spoke to a friend of mine a couple of months ago, the business he works for, you know, made a million dollars. They had $1.1 million in expenses. So the owners literally didn't pay themselves for a year. And I'm like, what the fuck yeah and that blew my mind i'm like okay cool like you want to know your stalking monster yeah i'm like that is insane amount of work to not pay yourself anything yeah that is insane and, uh, and there's a lot of people out there that they're yeah building a, just a cash eating monster that is not yielding any rewards and in like they don't pay attention to what's happening And suddenly you you come to this realization watching numbers like, yep. hey, shit, we're not keeping anything. We're, in fact, it's costing yeah. us money to run totally. this thing. So, yeah, definitely a really good one in there. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received by a mentor, coach, anything? Best piece of advice? That's a... I think there's so many different pieces of advice that comes through at different times. One one memorable one, I remember just finishing high school and I have you heard of the book um uh Secrets of the Millionaire Mind? Yeah. T. Harv Eker. So uh one of his trainers was running this event in Brisbane, um, basically a week after I finished. And so he jumped on stage and he said the best thing to do for the poor is not be poor yourself. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. Actually, what I need to then do is make sure that I can provide and meet all my own needs and then build the business in such a way that you're profitable so that you can give back to all the people that you love and you care about. And rather than thinking, you know, um, Hating on, hating on people who are making more than you. Just mm -hmm. figure out how do you get better so that you have more resources so that you can give. Because if you want to give more donations, time, energy, resources, like 
build build your business so that you can free yourself up so that you can volunteer if you want to you can donate to your favorite charity um if you want to and then you can choose to do that absolutely and I always see it as the example of being on a plane and they explain to you that you first need to put your own, your mm. own mask mm. and then you can go and help everyone. doesn't matter if it's a kid or anything, you first have to help yourself so yeah. that then you can be of benefit totally. to all the ones around you. It's the same exact thing with life in general and business. You need to get to a good position within yourself so that then you can become this force of good out there that is just helping other people, whether it's with money or knowledge or wisdom or actions, mm. you first need to be in a good place yourself. 100%. Brother, I love this conversation. <laughs> Where can people find you, support you, get in touch with you, see your offers? Uh, yeah, man, best place is uh, is on Instagram. So at it's Ryan Drake. Um, I'm sure you'll include it in the in the show notes. Otherwise, you can shoot me a message on on Facebook, and I'm filming more business content on YouTube as well about some of those tools. So, giving ClickUp overviews and demos, so you just put in Ryan Drake, and you'll find me there. Epic. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on every major social media platform at The Creative Grid. I'm at Creator Nelson, and I'll see you on the next episode. Goodbyes for everyone. You. Thanks so much. My goal for this podcast is to help 1 million creative entrepreneurs make more money, have more impact, and create their ultimate reality. The best way for you to support this mission is by sharing the podcast with anyone you think will find it valuable. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on all social media platforms at The Creative Grid and at Creator Nelson. I will see you at the top.